With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, a Boxing Day edition here for the next couple of hours as we take you up until noon. Trust everybody in the audience had a a wonderful uh, Christmas yesterday with the families or wherever you spent the day as uh, we've got a busy program coming uh, up here uh, for you. In on the rather BMW Des Moines guest list in about 20 minutes or so, Bill Bender from the Sporting News, our national College football guys, one of them, will slide on in here. We'll take a pretty good look at the playoffs uh, that uh, obviously take place this Saturday. We'll do some holiday bowls, some camping world, some of the other bowls as well. Uh, with Bill here coming up in about 20 minutes, Zubin Mahente from ESPN will join us at 10.35 in the 11 o'clock hour. Cappy will join us from Chicago, and we will start, well, I don't want to just make the call. It's a two-person show after all, but the White Sox got to have your attention. No way. I'm telling you, Trent. No, 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 no. Look at what this team has done. Too early. It's a year early. Whatever that win total comes out, and it will be coming out here soon. I'm taking the under on those White Sox. We shall see. They've certainly made some impact size. So we'll start. we've got a lot of ground to cover with Cappy, but uh, the White Sox, I think, deserve a, a little bit of love for, for what they've done in the offseason. They've certainly made a splash. And then we will get to the Bulls. Uh, first up, we'll head west uh, prior to um, the coaches' press conferences here this morning. We'll catch up with Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Uh, Doc, and uh, along with a ton of media, I, Hawkeye Media, have uh, made their way to San Diego, but Scott Dockerman will join us about 11.15, 11.20-ish, and then we'll head... Well, southeast to the state of Florida, where Alex Halstead has been on the ground since, when did they get there? The 22nd? Whatever Sunday was. Okay, yeah. Uh, that's when Dylan and Alex arrived, and uh, we'll catch up with Alex Halstead on the Camping World Bowl, Bowl the Julian Good-Jones rumors. I don't know what to make of them, Trent. Mm-hmm. I mean, if indeed uh, the worst-case scenario is out there, that um, you don't take a guy, I don't think, on a trip, senior or not, if there was a failed test of any kind. I'm not meaning a scholastic test. Right. And that was the rumor, and, and uh, there's been nothing to corroborate it. Look, uh, Matt Campbell's not going to tell you the truth. That's the way he is. We're pursuant to his team. Um, but he's practicing, for God's sakes. Yes. So he's, if indeed he's not going to play, boy, he's going to a lot of trouble to try and uh, get this into Brian Kelly's head. Quite the, the smokescreen. It really is if they're going to all this trouble. So we don't know, but we'll talk to Alex Halstead. He's there. The question was asked. 
Uh, the uh, Cyclone media got to see at least 15 minutes of the practice, and there he was with the first teamers. So we'll touch on that, but obviously we're going to get a little more in depth than just uh, the Julian Good Jones with him. So how was Christmas at the Condon? It was good. It was a, a long day. We got a sick little buddy, so that made it a little bit longer. Jack wouldn't allow us to put him down all day, so it was one of us always holding on to it. But Ella, four years old. I mean, She's is there anything it. better? Oh, there isn't, right? A four-year-old opening yep. the presents, playing all day long. It was great. I uh, made the decision two years back. We do a lot of traveling. My wife's mm-hmm. family's from Sioux City. I'm from north central Iowa. My uh, parents live in northeast Iowa now. So a lot of traveling every year. And I decided, you know what? I want my children to sleep in their own beds Christmas Eve. Wake up at their own nice. house. Yeah. So uh, Christmas Eve, we drove up to Osage, went to church, saw the, that side of the family, came back that night. But decision I had to make, uh, I remember some of those, you remember as a youngster, you want to play with your toys. Nope, sorry, we're going this way, we're going that way. I didn't want that. For that the was the ones. worst, right? Yeah, yeah. The I, worst. You got a new game, new toys, you want to play with them. Uh, sorry, we got to go to grandma's house. Sorry, we got to go here. Not going to happen. So put and you my can only bring down. one thing with you. Yes, right. And you picked the wrong thing, and, right. or your cousin also got the same thing. Oh, now we got two of these things. So we uh, we went that route all day at home. Little NBA, a lot of Christmas movies. It was a, a real good day. And now back at it for the next couple leading into the bowl games. Yeah, it's a wonderful time of year, no doubt about it, starting tomorrow night. There's a couple of minor bowl games today, but uh, they'll be okay. So uh, some breaking news here this morning from the Big Ten and the football side of things. is This one uh, hit me as a surprise because we're used to seeing – Inner movement inside the SEC. Coordinators moving all over the place. Oh, you're talking about the coordinator that left Minnesota to go yeah. to Penn. It's a lateral move. I mean, so so you, you're the OC at Minnesota, you become the OC at Penn State. Probably a raise. Probably, yeah, I would think so. Kirk yeah. Soraka is the guy's name. Now yeah. think of that Minnesota offense and what they have done and mm-hmm. doing the elements of something I certainly would like to see Iowa start to do in that power spread look. They don't have a quarterback that can run it. Minnesota, that's not what it is, but I think you can do that, certainly with the kind of players that Iowa has. Now you put that at Penn State with bigger recruits, mm-hmm. certainly. Yep. I, I like this move for Penn State. I mean, they're, they're trying to take that final step and get past Ohio State, and it's an incredibly difficult one, but is this a changing of the guard? You know, it was always hush-hush. In the Big Ten West, you mean? Just the Big Ten in general, where you don't go after other people's dudes. <laughs> Hey, you got to win. You want to win at the right, highest level, and right. then a place like Penn State, so that's what Fleck they want to do. So would have had to give him to permission to make a lateral move, right? Well, Raise or not, I, if, if usually, usually, if you're a the quarterback coach without mm-hmm. the OC co- uh, job title, then those moves, you know, they, they kind of you understand why you know guys are going to let uh, their guys move on to another program. But Fleck must have signed off on this. But it's not a lateral move. It's Minnesota to Penn State. No, I get that yeah. part, but the job from OC at one place. No, absolutely. I yeah. get it. And you know my love for Minnesota this <laughs> right, year, right. but it's not, it's not blinding me. Um, yeah, that's interesting. That just came out just a few minutes before we went on mm-hmm. the air. Certainly worth looking into. Um, yeah, that, I, I, I thought the same thing as you did. Maybe Bill Bender will uh, will have some thoughts on this. Yeah, we'll check to him in about uh, 12 minutes or so. I got some thoughts on a movie that I, that I kind of want to share but i do and i don't so cindy and i went to a movie yesterday at 9 30 in the morning <laughs> 9 35 to be precise uh, 9 35 because yeah. he couldn't miss any of that nba action yeah and it was you know what the nba action was bad it was awful every the, time the i flipped lakers, it out it was a blowout yeah lakers and the clippers got good late yep lebron took one right in the family jewels Oof. early in the basketball game that was yeesh. anyways um 
So, so this movie that we went through, it's got a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes. 93 thumbs up on Rotten Tomatoes. Now you're feeling good, right? Yeah, I think we're on to the right one because we're going to go to the uh, uh, bombshell Okay. with the fox, the fox story, you know, the fox, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the female um, yep. uh, at Fox who Ailes just abused and they paid a steep price for that, uh, thankfully. Um, but we were, they only got like a 60 something on Rotten Tomatoes and I don't know, my, for whatever reason, that's my wife's kind of scale yeah you know if it does well on rotten tomatoes we're gonna go so we went to uh, uncut gems with with adam sandler uncut gems uncut gems trent the twitter on this movie is off the charts this is a comedy for sandler correct no oh it's not no okay it is completely out of the norm for it's the worst movie i've ever seen in my life no way. i'm telling you and the place was packed at 9 30 in the morning uh, and there was a huge crowd for the next showing. It is knocking them dead at the box office. And I don't get it. And Uncut gems. Maybe this isn't... Kevin Garnett's in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sports wagering. What's right, there not to like? Right up your alley. You gotta love... It was awful. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Just... We came so close and didn't want to be the ones, right? Because one gets up and moves, and she's going to the bathroom, he's going to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Both of us, they're walking out. We didn't want to be that old couple because we're probably the oldest in the theater. You didn't want to be the people <laughs> yeah, that were right. pigeonholed. Mm-hmm. Ah, look at them. They can't handle it. Right. It's just, and I, I don't want to, if you're thinking of going to the name, you bought tickets, go. I mean, we're the minority. Nine out of ten people love this movie. It's an 0, and 2, 0 for 2 in the Miller house. Indeed it is. Yeah, that was bad. So anyway, speaking of bad, let's just do a couple of minutes on this because it's, you know, three days ago. But the last time we were on the air was Monday, and that was Monday Night Football. And the only reason I want to rehash it, if you will, is because the Packers and the Vikings moved the needle in mm-hmm. our market, right? And, and I think both of us dead wrong on this game, the way we both saw it. Uh, we, I love the Vikings. You yeah. love the Vikings. Mr. Monday we, Night ends in a losing ooh. fashion. Yeah, you had a bad December. Six straight losses to end the year. So what does that do about your opinion? Because I had the same opinion. Mm-hmm. We both thought Green Bay was fake. Yes. I mean, not the, you don't get win 11 football games by being fake. But at the same time, neither one of us thought that this was a legit threat to make a run through the playoffs. But I don't know. That defense certainly got my attention. Or was it just Kurt Cousins? Kurt Cousins was awful. Terrible. He had 39 yards passing in the first half. 39. Finished with, what, 160, something like that. He he was he was bad throughout. He was missing passes, wow. and his Mr. Monday Night continues on, on the wrong side. 0-9 now in his now, career. Dalvin Cook obviously didn't play, mm-hmm. uh, and Madison didn't play. And Boone didn't have much running room. Well, that's just it. The, the lack of the running game was that part and parcel to number eight's dismal performance. And if you're a Vikings fan... I think both ways going into if you're a Vikings fan you're oh my god this is brutal mm-hmm. this is gonna be we're not gonna be you know get past wild card weekend if you're a Packers fan on the other hand all of a sudden the one seeds in play believe it or it not is. the ones in play and you're thinking yeah well, we'll sign for that the NFC coming through Lambeau Field we got a shot here I think they do have a shot I I think this team you mentioned the defense and the way that they're playing and then you couple that with the way games are going to be played in Lambeau. My opinion changed in a big way. Mm-hmm, mine too. I have not been a believer in this Packers team uh-uh. throughout. That was an impressive performance, and they got speed all over the place defensively. You know the way that they have transformed on the fly on that side of the football and going from you know the old, old guard of Matthews and company, uh-huh. Mike Daniels being a big part of that, and on and on. Right. Yeah, Kenny Clark in the middle. Yeah, Just, he's really coming on. He is. They drafted, what, second round out of UCLA? Is that what he was? Or was oh, it late I first? I don't remember what he was. Regardless, he was in his first 
half year, like, oh, this, this might have been a reach. Mm-hmm. But he came on last year in a big way in the second half of the year, and it's continued this year. Him in the middle, coupled with what they have, that speed, so many different defensive backs that they have drafted lately. Yeah. Zaire Alexander being at the mm-hmm. top of that. I really like this Packers team. Yeah, my, my opinion completely changed on one Monday night up at U.S. Bank Stadium. Aaron Jones is unstoppable. Oh, look at man. the look at the impact that Alan Lazard is having on this football team. Yes. And good for him, right? Good mm-hmm. for him. Uh, Darius Smith was unbelievable in the game. So, anyways, I, again, I don't want to linger. It happened on Monday night. Here we are on Thursday. But because they're the Packers and they are the Vikings, and... Sadly, I mean, there's not a lot this weekend, Trent. There's really not. NBC picked the uh, the cherry. Mm-hmm. They've got the Niners and and uh, and the Seahawks. By the way, did you see Marshawn Lynch roll up to the facility? I, did. I don't know how I missed it until last night. That is brilliant brand marketing on his part uh-huh. and on Skittles' part. Uh, I, I don't know who came up with it. I don't know how long it was in the works because seemingly with those two dudes got hurt in on Sunday and for this to be ready as quickly as it was to mm-hmm. have this ready to go and a camera crew in place. And what is it? Uh, how do you say? Dazen? Dazon? Dazon. Dazon. Dazon to be you know in place for them to do that. Trent, if you haven't seen it, folks, go to Twitter. Essentially what it is, Lynch rolls up in a limousine and he opens up the door and a flood, I'm talking a flood of Skittles come pouring out of the back of the limousine all over. The, and he's reaching down. He's eating them. He's scooting it's, off off the street. Trent, the Skittles. It's brilliant, brilliant marketing is what it was. Anything left in the gas tank? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, has he been? I, a, I was surprised that he passed the physical. Yeah. I was shocked at that. I mean, get this kid who hadn't. Couldn't have been in training for this, could sure, he? Sure, you wouldn't think. Or maybe if you are, maybe you give it a little bit of effort in August or early September. But by the time week 16 rolls around, I mean, you got to be thinking, well, you know, the chances <laughs> of me getting a call are pretty slim and none, right? What did Marshawn, I wondered what he did his last uh Well, last he was year. in Oakland, I think, like, didn't get through October last year. Six games he played, started all six of them, 90 carries for 376. 4.2 yards a carry. Wow. You know, it, it's not like he dropped down mm-hmm. and we've seen older running backs all of a sudden they're averaging 3.3 yards right. a carry. It's 4.2 behind the Raiders offensive line a year ago. Not too bad right. there. Maybe. I hope so. I like Marshawn Lynch. I get a kick out of it. Well, look, it's NBC, they they got to be giddy that yes. they get him back for something. Well, A, they've got a really good football game, at least that you would think, uh, with some big ramifications as far as seedings go, and then they get this story fall in their laps. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. That'll work, right? So you mentioned the rest of the schedule on Sunday. It's rough. Yeah. Um, Last week was rough, and it was. Vikings now locked into the sixth seed. Uh-huh. They have the Bears coming in. Talk about two teams that don't want to be playing that Week 17 game. That's going to be one of them there. Jets-Bills? Bills, are they locked? I think they're, they're yeah. They're, they can't get out of five. Now the Saints Patriots go to, have won the division. Saints go to Carolina. Drew Brees is banged up. They're nearly a two-touchdown road favorite. And in the, the Saints are three. And they can uh, still go up. So they, so we, what the, if the Saints to get to two, to get the bye, the Packers would need to lose mm-hmm. to Detroit, and that's not happening. That's, that's a 12 and a half point number. Right. That's not happening. I watched Detroit, Denver. De- I mean, Detroit's awful. So there, there's really nothing to play for there, because it looks as though the Vikings are going to be headed to, the, uh, to, to, to New, New Orleans, Orleans yep. for that 6-3 game. 
Not a lot, Trent. Not a whole lot. I'm going through late afternoon window. Still got the Cowboys with something to play for. And yeah, the Eagles, but, but, but the Eagles, the Eagles, if they win, they're they're in. They're in. How about the Raiders still alive? And what do they need? They need they need a whole bunch of things to happen. Obviously, they need to beat Denver, which clearly can happen. They need the Steelers to lose. They need the Titans to lose. Yep. And is there one more? I believe those are the three things that so need to So they happen. need to beat Denver, and they need the Titans to lose, and they need the Steelers to lose. The Titans go to Houston. And Houston is... Still playing for... What can they still no, get to? I don't think so. I think that they they're... need a Chiefs loss for them to jump up to the three, I believe. Right. Yes. So because they're... they beat the Chiefs, correct? Yes, they did. So they would have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs. Didn't they beat the Chiefs this year? They did. For sure they did. Yeah. Um, so that's okay. But yeah, your point is there's, there's not a lot. All right. We'll get a lot from Bill Bender. Uh, he will join us next. Zuba Mahente, 1035. Boy, Zubin and ESPN, uh, lost a colleague over. Yes. Uh, Edward Ashoff, I believe yes. is his name. Yep. Trent, he died of pneumonia at 34 in 2019. Doesn't that sound like a disease that would kill you in the 1800s? Right. Yeah. Was it pneumonia or dysentery that got you? <laughs> right. Um, but you know where he contracted this or contacted uh. this? Ohio State, Michigan. Really? Yes. He was covering that game, and apparently that's where that's where he was. Um, the pneumonia took a hold. Wow. Uh, Awful story. But uh, pneumonia killing Fiance. people in 2019. Yeah, we're supposed to get married like uh, in the next couple of weeks. Anyways, we'll get a timeout. Bill Bender joins the program next uh, as we take you up until noon on a Boxing Day edition of Miller and Condon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, and I can say that because I'm Canadian. Fourteenhouse.org. <laughs> Twenty-four hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is fourteen sixty KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. With you until noon here. Zubin Mahante coming up in about, oh, 12 or 13 minutes. Let's get Bill Bender from the Sporting News in here uh, as we talk college football with Bill. Bill, uh, good to talk to you, Bill Bender. How was Christmas? Oh, we spoiled the kids and had a great time with family. And, you know, uh, I was telling Trent, I don't know if you know what teammates are, but they're these NFL guys and, and we got some Packers guys in the house for Grant because you want to have the NFC North champions. In the house. Ah, <laughs> that boy. A little salt in the wound. Yeah, indeed. I saw you rubbing, uh, pouring salt in the wounds on Monday night. Bill Benner, a Packers fan. We should let everybody know if you haven't gathered uh, by that last little bit. Well, let's get into this, Bill. I guess, you know what, let's go back before we go forward. Story of the bowl game so far, if there is one, what would that be? What have you seen so far, Bill, that's kind of stuck with you as uh, we head into uh, you know the real uh, meat of the bowl games, if you will? I mean, unpredictability range. Like I, I'm not doing well picking them because I, you can't predict Florida Atlantic doing what they did to SMU. Yeah. I mean, they were out of them. Yeah. Um, the Hawaii Bowl was really fun. It I really was. I've watched yep. most of that. Um, and I picked BYU. So, I mean, I just pick against what I'm picking right now is what would be my first advice. But like you said, we get into it starting today. I mean, Miami and Louisiana Tech's an interesting game for the Canes who are, who are trying to build off that and have a winning season. And then, uh, you know, Pitt, North Carolina, they're playing over the next couple of days. And then and it starts to get heavy. Yeah. And I think once we get some of those bulls, we're going to have some fun. You know, Bill, as we get ready for the bigger matchups, and they're going to be uh, starting for us here Friday night with Iowa, of course, into Iowa State-Notre Dame Saturday. 
before the semifinals. A little news item I wanted to get your perspective on. Ken and I touched on it at the top of the show, and it's Kirk Soraka leaving as the offensive coordinator of Minnesota, going back home, a Pennsylvania guy, and going to Penn State. And we see so much of this happen in the SEC where coordinators are moving, bouncing around jobs. You don't see it as often, certainly, at the Big Ten. Is this a signal of anything, or is it a guy just going home? And secondly, what a guy like that and what he was able to do with the Minnesota offense, what he could do at Penn State. Yeah, I mean, you know, you get the ball to skill guys, it's all the difference. And, and that was what was so impressive about Minnesota this year. It's, you think about them, and then P.J. used this formula at Western Michigan where he'd get the ball to the running backs and they'd have a power running game, but then he'd throw it around to some talented receivers. I mean, Corey Davis was at Western Michigan. He's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they had two good ones this year. And I think that's a blueprint for the Wisconsin's and Iowa's and, and Nebraska's. And Nebraska did that on signing days. It's just some talent at receiver because that's where the game is right now. You know, um, Bill, would Fleck, would he, he, since it was, I get Penn State's more prestige than Minnesota, but OC to OC, don't coaches normally, I mean, you've got to move up. You've, you've got to, air, air quote, promotion within coaching ranks for that usually to be the permission to be granted. Would Fleck have had to have signed off on this, do you think? Well, maybe. I mean, but you see this all the time. I mean, you mentioned the SEC. I, I make the joke always that John Chevis has probably coached at every SEC school. Um, <laughs> you know, within the Big Ten, Ed Warner did go from Michigan or Ohio State to Minnesota to Michigan. I mean, you see this with assistants all the time. And with Penn State, it makes it interesting because Ricky Ronnie had done a good job settling in after Joe Moorhead left. And I, sometimes, Ken, you know this happens with the coaches that are there for a while. I mean, it's happened at Ohio State. It's happened at Michigan. Well, Greg Madison. The, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. sometimes you hire the wrong coordinator, right? Yeah. Yeah, fair point. It is. Well, uh, Bill, we got games to get into. Let's start with uh, the Friday night matchup, Iowa-USC. You said you've been struggling with your picks, but your perspective here, I uh, watched a little bit of the press conference of Grant Harrell, the offensive coordinator that brought the air raid there to SC. Eh, very very dismissive of the Iowa defense. Oh, they do what they do. There's not a whole lot to it, not a whole lot of nuance. And uh, well, he thinks he's got what uh, certainly up its sleeves, at least it feels from my perspective watching that one. When you look at these bowl matchups, when you look at this matchup for Iowa, the speed of USC against the power Midwest team of Iowa, what's your breakdown? I mean, you know, for Iowa, the key is going to be not allowing the big plays in the passing game. Yeah. You know, Iowa's a very similar team to Utah in, in terms of scheme and, and those kind of things and what they have up front. And um, USC was able to beat them on the perimeter. Maybe that's why Harold sounded the way he did, because those are some tough matchups to win. So I think the stress is on the Iowa secondary to hold down a pretty talented group of USC receivers. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, I mean, this is another one of those tests of USC's physicality, and they've failed those in the yeah. past. Um, so if Iowa can come around and push him around and has a, you know, Kirk's going to have him win or lose. He always has him ready for bowl games. I know that's a cliche, but Iowa's approach to bowl games has not changed. They, they, they're going to go out there and play hard. I think it's a fun matchup though. And it's going to be close. Yeah, I'm with you, Bill. I think it's a real fun matchup, and I think you hit the salient point. I think Iowa's physicality is going to win out because USC is, uh, you know, 
I, I just think I like Big Ten physical play better than I like Pac-12, and that's why I'm going to pick Iowa. So let's move to the next day. The playoffs in a second. Uh, the um, not, It's not an appetizer. It's more than that, certainly in this, where we live. Uh, Iowa State is more smart. Marquee bowl game. Uh, certainly opponent, and it's not even close. Playing the uh, uh, Notre Dame is a, is a step up in the bowl competition that what Iowa State has faced. I don't uh, I don't know if you know, how Notre Dame's looking at this as far as motivation, but I'm convinced Matt Campbell will have his guys uh, ready to take on Notre Dame. How do you see this game? If Notre Dame's engaged, Iowa State could be in a little trouble. Uh-huh. I mean that that's the easiest way to look at it because Notre Dame did close the season well, ran the football well, but. I mean, Iowa State's going to be, that's a let-it-hang-out game. It's another chance for them. You know, I think we talked about this earlier this year. I mean, can you imagine a season where Iowa State beat Texas and Notre Dame in the same year? (laughs) And how many Iowa State fans would have been asked that question 10 years ago? And said, there's, you know, what planet am I on where that's going to happen? So, yeah, Matt will have his guys ready to go. And I think... Just for me, it's Notre Dame again. That offensive line, when they're engaged, they're yeah. pretty good. Mm-hmm. When Ian Book's on, he's pretty good. And uh, they don't, I think in the back of their mind, they don't want to hear this about another bull failure. So I, I, I look for them to come out. Most of the time, BK has his guys ready to go to in bull games. First semifinal, it'll be at 3 o'clock. It's Oklahoma LSU down in Atlanta in the Peach Bowl. Sooners, what do they have to do here to give themselves a shot? Get get to the fourth quarter with a chance to win this game. You know, I, that's what I'm writing about now is just avoid the turnovers. I think one thing to watch, and some, I'm spoiling a couple of my bold predictions, because I think they're going to cover. I think, I think they're going to cover. I don't think they're going to win, but I think they'll hang around and cover. Because this hilarious injury, LSU's running game will determine whether this is a blowout or not. And I say that in terms of they come out and run all over the Sooners, yeah, it's not going to take long. If Oklahoma stops the run and maybe forces some third and longs, this game could play out a little bit like Texas Oklahoma or Texas LSU did. And I think it will. So I think Oklahoma hangs around and uses their experience from past playoff games. But uh, ultimately, I, I just think this LSU offense is operating at a different level and the Tigers end up winning out. Yeah, I'm with you, Bill. And I hope it's a close game. I do hope that there's a cover there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the uh, the question at running back is certainly something that a lot of folks are going to be watching. There's a lot of people that say that, uh, you know, let's just keep him on the sidelines. You're going to need him uh, for the second Monday in January. We'll see. Of course, you've got to get to past uh, Oklahoma to get to that Monday in January. But uh, on the other side of the field will it be whoever wins between Clemson and Ohio State. I just read your preview on this one. Um you think it's going to be a tight game? I think most people do. Bill, I can't wait for this football game. The Fiesta Bowl's got a chance to be special. Here's another bull prediction. There'll be controversy at the end. Because uh-huh. whenever we have a game like this, with this much on it, and everybody's excited, I'm really excited for it. It just seems inevitable to me that it'll probably be determined by a controversial call of some sort. And I can't, you can't predict that, obviously, but that's just a hunch. Um because, yeah, both teams have so much to prove. They're both playing the disrespect card, which mm-hmm. should should have a lot of people rolling their eyes because we're <laughs> dealing with two awesome programs. I bet every other fan base in the ACC and Big Ten should be rolling their eyes at that. But, um, yeah, they're going to come out and play. I think I like Clemson just a little bit more. And I know, you know, I know what I'm saying, but because it is a coin flip game, I just think their experience, their ability to throw over the top, uh, they've got players that are the best players Ohio State's seen all season, too, and vice versa. But 
I think people are penalizing Clemson more for their schedule than recognizing what a good team they really are. Hey, Bill, last thing for me. I just heard this in passing uh, earlier today. want to get your perspective. Your alma mater, Ohio, Frank Solich, possibly coaching his final game. A, do you believe that's the case as they'll play, what is it, January 3rd in the Potato Bowl against Nevada? But secondly, is that one of the better jobs in the MAC if he decides to hang it up and people jockeying to get that position? Well, I hope he died. I haven't seen that, but I'll have to look that up now. I'll let him on. You know, phone. I got a chance to talk to him at the end of the season. I mean, he it's unbelievable what he's done for the program. You know, when I was there, Jim Grobe was coach there, another unbelievable coach. Mm-hmm. When you can win seven or eight there, it's pretty incredible. And obviously his ties to – I always make the, the argument that he is one of the greatest group of five hires all, of all time mm-hmm. simply because, A, he got to school to 11 bowl appearances, and B, he's been there since 05. And you never see that. He's the longest tenured group of five coach. It's a lot like Kirk in Iowa. Sometimes people are sick of him, but, you know, I'm wondering, you know, what do you do when he's gone? You could go back to instability in a hurry. Mm. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Bill, great stuff. Uh, we will uh, continue to read you at sportingnews.com. Uh, the preview LSU Oklahoma, I hear you're working on it. You got a whole bunch of them up there, including a bunch of New Year's Day bowls. Bill Bender, sportingnews.com. Thank you, Bill. Hey, thank you. I'll talk to you guys yep. next week. Yep, take care. Bill Bender uh, from the Sporting News. That Idaho Potato Bowl, you know what it is? It's in the middle of the afternoon on Friday, January third. Perfect for you. Well, it is, but why? Why wouldn't they play? <laughs> that is true. Why wouldn't they play that game at night? Friday night's ESPN's NBA oh, night. Oh, that's true. There's so, your answer. There's probably your answer. as simple as that, right? Yeah. There's your. You know, from, going back to yesterday when we kind of blew off the NBA action, mm-hmm. jo- Joel Embiid stuck with me. Yes, he was really good. He was. Oh my God. Now he'll go into the tank for a yeah, couple probably of games, so. But- Suma Mahente joins the program next from ESPN Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460.org. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more from 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. We take you up until noon. David Kaplan from Chicago, Scott Dockerman from San Diego, and Alex Halstead from Orlando in our number two. Let's get Zubin Mahente in here to start things off. Zubin, uh, Trenton, Ken, uh, happy holidays to you. You know, let's start with the sad news of uh, one of your colleagues. I know you and Butcher Gross were, uh, you did Sports Center uh, after the Hawaii Bowl, which was really good on uh, Christmas Eve night. Uh, and you uh, mentioned uh, Edward Ashoff. And I just looked it up. I was surprised. There's 50,000 people, 50,000 Americans apparently die from pneumonia every year, which um, certainly uh, seems like a lot. Uh, but uh, your colleague, sadly, was amongst that number. Did you work with him, Zubin? How will you remember him? Yeah, I worked with him quite a bit, actually. Uh, he started out working essentially as a blogger for us, just covering the SEC. He was born and raised uh, in Oxford, Mississippi, and went to the University of Florida. So that seemed natural. He sort of followed the league growing up. And then he eventually branched out and moved out to the West Coast, and he was doing Sports Center for us for college football. That's where I happened to uh, work with him. He was doing sidelines for college football games on ESPN television and radio, obviously working for the SEC network. And uh, at the beginning of Clay Helton's uh, press conference on Tuesday evening, uh, obviously, as you guys know, this is a huge game for him. Um, you guys know the opposition. Um, and what everything means with regard to him returning 
to the program. And despite everything swirling around him and the bowl game and the recruiting struggles he's had, which have been well chronicled, he actually opened his press conference uh, off the field Tuesday night uh, by mentioning Ashoff and talking about him for about 20, 21 seconds. I was sitting there just watching it, and I thought that was a uh, pretty apropos thing. Ed had kind of moved out there to work in Los Angeles, and uh, he knew Coach Helton, and uh, Coach Helton mentioned him. So definitely a beloved colleague, definitely will be missed, definitely stunning. Um, for people that don't know, he was only 34 years old. Mm. And, and apparently, Zubin, uh, he contracted uh, the, the disease covering Ohio State-Michigan. Yeah, at that particular juncture, we weren't aware of it. On Tuesday night, all that the family released was that he was uh, uh, died after a brief illness. There was a lot of things out there on Twitter and social media. But at that particular juncture, gotcha. uh, we weren't able to confirm that. So we just kind of went with what the family wished. But yes, over the last couple of days, uh, some things have certainly come out. And uh, it's difficult for a lot of people. And I think you saw a lot of people across social media, people that work at ESPN, people that work at The Athletic, people that work all over college football uh, weighing in. Definitely a sad thing. Zubin, uh, no easy transition from that, but let's stay with college football as we get ready for the semifinals. And really short of the Georgia-Oklahoma game a couple of years back, these semifinal games as a whole, they have stunk. More of the same this year? Are we going to get a couple of good ones? Well, I mean, I think a lot of people believe Ohio State-Clemson could be one of the better ones we've had in the brief six-year history of the playoffs. Essentially, the two-and-a-half-point number, I guess, vacillating back and forth. But just the nature of the offenses of both makes sure I think that the night game is going to be pretty darn competitive. Now, you never know. The last time these two teams met, it was 31 nothing in this very game in the Fiesta Bowl. But I think there's a lot of people that believe because of the offensive firepower of Clemson, and even though Fields is about 85%, he said, because of a lingering knee injury, the way that Chase Young and Ohio State can come after Clemson is probably something Clemson has not seen all season long. So I think this will be a good one. The first one kind of falls in line with what you're saying, Trent. You know, the number is about 13 and a half. Oklahoma has been beset by attrition and by injury. LSU's got the Clyde Edwards-Alaire hamstring situation. He may or may not go. But it doesn't really matter if the spread is that particularly big. I think a lot of people believe LSU, according to the number, might roll. So that might be lopsided, as you say, like the way some of these other games have gone in the past. But I think there's a lot of people that are hoping that second game ends up being one of the better games we've seen in the playoff era. So, Zubin, would you be surprised then uh, if the Peach Bowl's close? I, I think Oklahoma, and, you know, for the, because of Edwards Hilaire not playing, that he's such a threat and he's, he's, he's going to make a lot of money in the NFL. I mean, uh, he's Darren Sproles, if you will, that type of running back. Uh, I think he's going to have a nice future. But if he can't play in his immediate future um, this Saturday, I think that that kind of, not evens it out, but I think that this keeps this game close. Am I crazy? No, I don't think you're crazy at all. I definitely think that's possible. I mean, you look at the situation with LSU and you say to yourself, you know, you look at Burrow and you say, all right, you didn't know what to expect from him this year. Edwards Allaire was a three-star running back. Not a ton of people were after Jamar Chase. Not a ton of people were all over Derek Stingley. And all mm, those players yeah. have turned out to be outrageous. So whatever people say about Coach Joe, you know, one thing that they always say about Coach Ferentz, and it's well-deserved over 20 years, is how well they develop players, right? You know, the old cliche of taking them three stars, and when they're done, they're in the NFL. 
Uh, LSU probably doesn't get a lot of credit for that, Ken, because the assumption is like everybody that goes in there is at least a four-star. But that's definitely not the case. And the same thing for Oklahoma with C.D. Lamb and Jalen Hurts. So I think this could definitely be a close game, especially if Edward Delaire doesn't play. And uh, Coach O is not dancing around the topic. He's been saying pretty much at every post-game press conference, we're not really sure. We'll wait to see. Could it be a little bit of gamesmanship? Sure, it could be a little bit of gamesmanship. But I think at this point, LSU is operating at such a high level, they don't have to deal in subterfuge. He probably is as banged up as Orgeron says he is. You know, just one more on this game, Zub, and then we'll switch to basketball. And you mentioned Stingley, who I think is going in one of the games – when he's all said and done at LSU, and that'll be after two more seasons when he's first eligible to go to the league, and he will. I mean, he's got size. He's a, he's a big cornerback. Reminds some people of Aqib Tlaib. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But how about C.D. Lamb Stingley? That might be one of these matchups that when we reconvene, we're talking about, oh, my God, watching those two guys go after each other. Because Lamb's a you know, top 15 pick, you would think, in next April's draft. And this Stingley, oh, my God, if they they don't if, if America doesn't know him now, they will. Oh yeah, I mean, I think you know, putting aside the NFL draft pick situation or whatever Todd or, or Mel or any of the or uh, Jeremiah or these guys talk about, if you just look at from a college production standpoint, you could say that this is the best wide receiver in America. I mean, there are other guys, including Chase, who actually probably has the more hardware this season on the award circuit, who plays on the other team. Um, but you could say. C.D. Lamb is the best wide receiver in the country. And you could also say that Derek Stingley is the best defensive back in the country. So it could be a 1A versus 1A type of mm-hmm. showdown. And for people that don't know, uh, Stingley, yes, is the grandson of Stingley. Yep. And also uh, is just a freshman. As you said, he's got two years. So he just burst onto the scene. So, yes, does he have a great professional career ahead of him? Yes. Does he have a great personal story? of dealing with tragedy and thinking maybe just, should I even play football? I mean, just he's got a very personal, you know, sort of touch to realize how violent the game might be. So it'll be interesting because even though, like I said, Chase is the guy that got the hardware on the award circuit right after the season, I think you can make it, you can make a real argument when these two match up against each other, they are the two best at their position in America. Zubin, there's been a lot of conversation about the NBA and the down TV ratings that we've seen. What do you kind of put this into? There's so many different theories that are out there, but a quintuple of games yesterday, five of them, and short of Lakers-Clippers, not a whole lot of intrigue, at least from me. This is a time normally I get into the NBA. Didn't really grab me yesterday. Your thoughts on the NBA as a whole, and of course what we saw yesterday. Yeah, they're in a tough spot because the NFL has flex, as you guys know. The NBA kind of has flex. Too. It's not really gets the attention of the NFL flex, but every once in a while, the league will sort of alter a, a primetime game. For example, they're actually pulling the Warriors out of some primetime games. Now, they weren't mm. going to mess with the Christmas schedule uh, just because of the travel situation. There are 10 teams that were playing. Can't really upset the apple cart this close to it, um, but for weeks and months out, you can sort of move things in the league has. Yesterday was tough because you've got the Raptors minus Kawhi. You've got the Pelicans minus Zion. You've got the Warriors playing, even though they won yesterday. Right. They're not exactly the draw uh, they used to be. So yeah, you've got 60% of the games. And with all due respect, I mean, I used to work in Denver. The, the quintuple header, the last game, the quintuple header featured the Nuggets, which are, which are a good team. They were second place in the West heading into yesterday's game. But they still don't have a national cachet. So you're talking about, you know, more than half the games have at least one team 
that's not really drawing the attention of the casual fan. And that's tough because the NBA has always sort of used Christmas as a day to sort of introduce itself. I would say, though, that the Laker Clipper game, for whatever reason, uh, did make up for some of the drama that the other four games are lacking. Uh, the interest in ratings decline is interesting only because Silver has brought it up. Like, when the league was struggling rating-wise a couple years ago in the NFL, when it went down a couple years ago, it's not something that Goodell actively wanted to talk about. It was something that the media right. was definitely talking about. But i got to give Adam Silver credit, or maybe it's just getting out in front of the issue and it's not really credit. You know, part of the reason this has become such a big deal with the ratings being down at Turner and ESPN is because Silver in some ways has exacerbated that. Now, I do think that we generally broadcast games on Wednesday and Friday and Saturday on ABC later in the season. Turner has definitely been hurt because they're really up against Thursday night football. And since Thursday night football has gone to Fox, they have, um, I'm going to say this nicely, non-NFL network type of games. They tend to put on their type of games. And I think the average sports fan is definitely going to gravitate to the NFL on a Thursday night on Fox rather than early regular season NBA. So we'll, we'll wait to see how the Thursday numbers at least correlate now that it doesn't have a huge impediment standing uh, in its way. But the fact that Silver himself brought it up and said it's a reason for concern uh, says something. I don't think there's a lot of commissioners out there. I don't think Gary Bettman <laughs> would be out there touting the NHL's ratings declines or Rob Manford would be out there touting baseball's ratings declines. But Silver's a different type of guy, and his sort of alarmist theory about this has generated a lot of discussion. Uh, a couple of things, uh, Zuba, before we let you go. And pursuant to ESPN, I know that you guys did your uh, top 40 stories. I think it was Berman that counted them down. I didn't see it. I saw a little bit of Twitter reaction. Um, give us some of, the, some of the highlights of that, if you will. Sure. Uh, so basically, over the last 40 years, anything involved in sports, and they sort of rank them via events or moments. So it's not as crystal clear. Um, while I talk, I'll just give you two, three, four, and five. Okay. Uh, so just kind of think in your mind what number one would be. And uh, just to localize it, because I know you guys love localizing it, where do you think the Cubs World Series would fall in the 40 great slash moment events of the last <sighs> 40 years? So just to give you an idea. Has, number two. Yes. Go ahead. Number two, the band on the field. Mm. That's number two. Whoa. Number three. So that's a singular play. Number three, Cal Ripken Jr. breaks the mm. Gary Street. Number four, the catch, Montana to Clark. Jeez. And number five, U.S. Women's World Cup 99, Brandy Chastain yeah. celebration, the whole deal. So there's your idea. You got plays and you got moments. So what could top all of that? The only <laughs> thing that could top all of that, and where do you think snapping 108 below well i was it's certainly lower than i would have thought before you ran down the top five because i don't think i would have got any of those zubin so i'm going to say in the 30s trent the cubs were at trent you want to take the yes I, I was i was thinking somewhere in the teens well zubin uh, 12. Did you guys 12. Oh, sorry. 12, 12. So 12. Okay. 12. So, so yeah. Trent, I'm going to give it to you. What's number one? Miracle on Ice. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it's back. Yeah. They got that Hockey 12. number one, Ken. You got to love that. Yeah, but uh, and that was very, very early in uh, ESPN. All right. So this one, Zubin, I mean, who's not looking forward to June? 
Um, and the last dance, the Bulls 10 piece special that's going to be, uh, unveiled. They're 10, I think they're 10 one hour episodes, correct? And it's coming out in yeah. June. Uh, some of the principals, they're all sitting down again. And Zubin, I think it's going to be tremendous, tremendous television. How long has this been in the works? And man, it seems like you guys are killing us waiting for the, uh, NBA championship to be over before you start unveiling those. So last year on Christmas Day, so basically just about a year ago, uh, on SportsCenter, I remember I was working that day, we happened to unveil that we were going to be doing it. So at least that far back when they gave us the notification to go ahead and talk about it. The thing that's really interesting, I think there's a couple things for people out there. One, for the entire generation of people, and I'm 41, so I'm going to raise my hand and be the curmudgeon, and I'm going Jordan over LeBron all day, every day, (laughs) but for the entire generation of players, a lot of times when you see Billis do the 90 feet, I don't know if you guys watch the games and sometimes yep. he interviews the players, he always asks them Jordan versus LeBron, and every one of them, of course, says LeBron. Um, so it'll be interesting for that whole generation of people that thinks it's LeBron to at least have an understanding. Obviously, it's a little bit different with no social media, but still to understand the amount of attention that Michael Jordan was getting. So I think for a whole new generation of people, this will be an interesting watch. And I think if you see the previews, the one thing you'll like is 10 hours, uh, 10 episodes on ESPN and ABC in June. One thing you'll notice, the way they're promoting it, and this just goes to show how global Jordan was. The previews show some video, and I don't know how we've been sitting on this video forever, <laughs> but there's tons and tons of video that has never been shown. And I just think any executive that's ever said to himself, hey, there's some dusty, grainy Michael Jordan uh, footage laying in the basement here. You think we should run it? <laughs> I don't know how in the world it's ever just stood there and stood the test of time and not been used, but apparently they've collated a ton of material. What's interesting, though, is if you watch the uh, commercials or the teasers for it to promote it, well, one of the commercials is just everybody that's being interviewed for yeah. the show or most people being interviewed just sitting there waiting to talk, mm-hmm. right? Just like four seconds of Bob Costas, four seconds of Hannah Storm, four seconds of Phil Jackson, Steve Kerr. And Carmen Electra. Carmen Electra. You recognize everyone. Yeah. Like when I was watching, and I was like, I can actually pick out every single. And you know, the guy hasn't played a relevant game in almost twenty years. And I'm, if you want to go back to his Bulls days, more than twenty years. You skip over the Wizards, and you can immediately, on first inspection, like you said, Ken, with the long blonde hair of Carmen Electra, you mm-hmm. probably haven't seen in years. You can recognize every single person mm-hmm. from pop culture and sports and coaching and whatever to President Obama. Yep. Everybody that's in there. And that just goes to show you the global reach. I'm not sure if they did like a e true Hollywood story on anybody that I could recognize all of the participants, but that's why Jordan's in the class by himself. Zubin, it's always the latest is always the greatest. I think that this is going to jolt some people's memory, just how good and how big these guys were in the era before cell phones and before obviously camera phones and the internet and how different it would have been for those rock stars quite frankly uh because they always had a following behind them but can you imagine in the here and now if uh oh my god zubin great stuff this week i cannot wait for june the last dance is the name of the series it's a 10-parter if you've watched any tv espn tv this weekend and i'm assuming throughout the bulls uh between now and the next what 10 days or so uh you're going to see a whole bunch of it. Zubin, we will catch up with you next week. Appreciate it, Zubin Mahente. Thank you, sir. You got it. We'll see you at the halftime of the bowl games today. All right. Good stuff. Zubin working today. Thank you, Zubin. Appreciate that. Uh, Trent, this is going to be this is gonna be really good TV. I, it doesn't... I don't get 
excited like I did for this very often anymore. Mm-hmm. You get excited about games and things like that, but this yeah. one was... Trent, this will take up some segments in June. This oh, is yes. this big of a topic, I think. It, it was something visceral. It just... I, I, I could feel it, you know, in, in your... Just watching... Well, we've, we've had Bobby Hansen over the years, yes. and he shared some of the stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, the planes and just, yeah, just unbelievable. The practices. Now, the one part didn't see... Is Jordan part of this? Yeah. His interviews currently? Going well, back and talking I, about it? That's what I wonder because they, they cut to all the different people today yeah. doing the interview, but I never saw them cut to Jordan. Oh, he's got to be a part of I it. I would hope so. Has to be, right? Yeah, he's the band leader. <laughs> to do it right. right. No, he's got to be a part of it. Uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be terrific. All right. Speaking of Chicago, kind of. We were, kind of. Yeah. Uh, we're going to head to Chicago next. David Kaplan's going to catch up. We'll pick his brain on this. Going to do some White Sox with Cappy. Have the White Sox. I'll knock it off. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hour number two coming up next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines. Get enough of that with Songer and Roberts. <laughs> Sports Station 1460 KXNO.